Hey, you want to go to war? You want a war? You're going to get one. This is the Dynasty Warzone, the People's Dynasty Podcast, and here are your hosts, Memphis at DFF Memphis and Jerry at Jerry Sin DFF. What's happening, guys? Happy Wednesday, and welcome to the Dynasty Warzone, the People's Dynasty Podcast. And tonight, do we have a very special topic and guest for you. Tonight, we're going to talk about the analytics of Dynasty and how it relates to your fantasy football team and how using tools and resources to make your Dynasty roster better is just the absolute best play. Uh, but before I get into that, I've got to bring in my co-host. I'm an Indiana boy. Uh, now, my co-host, he lives above me in the great state of Michigan but he looks like he belongs in the state below me, straight out of the hills of Kentucky. You know him as the man of the hour and the man with the power. He is Jerry Sinclair. Jerry, what's going on, man? I wish I was living in Kentucky. It's so damn cold outside right now. I got news uh, for I, you. It's, it's not any warmer in Kentucky, really. Like Maybe like five degrees. God, I, uh, I walked out to my car right before the show, and I thought I was going to die because I left my headphones out there. But I'm good, man. Listen, best time of the year for me to sit in this chair and talk to you. You know, it's the time where I get to learn how to do this, you know, dynasty thing better without actually doing the work. I just have to listen to smarter people talk about it. Last week, we had the tape guys, you know, Kane and Nick, and we got another analytics guy. And if there is one one set of people that I really write down a ton of stuff, it's analytics, because I don't understand it. Listen, I put off all my math classes, all my statistics classes in school. You guys know I just got back into school. I put all those off because I'm not good at it. It's not my style. So I will let people that are better at it tell me about it, and I will write it down because, like I always say, I am lazy, and I just want to be better and just reap the rewards of other people's work. A hundred percent. And that's why we bring on all the guests starting from as soon as the regular fantasy season's over, usually week one of the playoffs, we start with what we call hashtag guest season. And we're going to have guests all the way up until up until week one. Um, we're going to get more into rookies. Um, tonight we have an author in the house. We're going to bring our author guest on in just a minute. I want to make sure I, I call out the Patreon. Uh, head over to patreon.com forward slash Dynasty Warzone. Uh, where today, as I was trying to work, work, you know, pay them uh, gimmicks they send in the mail called bills. And my phone, uh, Jerry, Jerry here was the ringleader. I cleared it once uh, at 48 messages. I go into a meeting, come out of the meeting 45 minutes later. I had more messages than minutes as I come back to 62 more messages. So about 110 messages in about a two, two and a half hour span. And Jerry's in there. I, I couldn't today. I, I'm, I'm in there more on the weekends and the evenings, mixing it up. Jerry's in there more in the mornings and depends on his schedule, but we always got you and we're having a ton of fun uh, as well as a bonus podcast to drop that every Monday. At least we have consistently for a while. Uh, Going to get Jerry back on there to get back into rookies. We've had some, uh, some interesting Football, yet not football-related stories the last couple of weeks. We're going to get back into rookies with some rookie running backs next week on the Patreon. And remember, 
got to continue to warn you, there will be some longer shows during guest season. Uh, we normally run around 60, 70 minutes, but last week's show was so long, I had to chop it up and edit it into two 60-minute parts. Uh, that will not be the case tonight, more than likely. We'll see what happens. Um, and then the last thing, uh, five-star reviews had two more again. Um, that number is creeping ever so close to 100. I've got a really good prize lined up for the 100th person. It's one of those things you, you, you both got to leave the five-star review on iTunes and hope that that's the day that I check it and it's yours. But it's going to be a really fun prize and it's going to be a very interactive prize. Uh, last thing I have before I bring on our guest is to call out our social media uh, at DFF Memphis, at Jerry Sin DFF for our personal accounts, as well as at Dynasty Warzone on both Instagram and Twitter. I keep threatening to get more involved on Instagram. It's just hard. Uh, how many pictures of the Dynasty Warzone can Maybe I'll picture send out pictures of Jerry in his trucker hat. Jerry, do you have like a trucker hat of the day calendar? Anything? <laughs> I, I can. I promise you I can pull that off. That would be fantastic. I will need you to send me a selfie once a day so i can uh, try and post that dude I'm, I'm gonna do them all in the form of your twitter avatar but just uh, different you, hats on you know i keep counting down the day so real quick before i bring on our guest so i lost a bet i lost a bet to kevin wheeler uh he's only a top 10 accuracy ranker per fantasy pros the last three seasons and i bet him going into the season that zeke elliott would have more rushing yards than uh nick chubb and i lost that bet so uh, you know, I'm usually the kind of guy who just wants to bet cash. Uh, you know, forget hot takes. I like cold cash. But he said, uh, no, the, the loser had to let the winner pick their avatar. It's a classic George Costanza from Seinfeld picture with my face photoshopped on it. If you haven't seen it, go over to at DFF Memphis. And you too, for about exactly six more days, can chuckle at my avatar before I get to change it back on Sunday. My, uh, my penance will be paid. But anyway, enough about all that nonsense and housekeeping. I'm really excited for tonight's guest. So Jerry mentioned it last week. We had some wonderful film grinders on there. Uh, we had Nick Whalen and Kane Fossil uh, from the Debbie Marketplace. And Nick's all over the place. Four for four, the nerds, you name it. Nick's working. But tonight's guest is making his second appearance here in the Dynasty War Zone. His name's Jordan McNamara. Now, Jordan can be found on Twitter at McNamara Dynasty. And Jordan is currently a contributor at the Under the Helmet podcast and website, as well as a member of the Fantasy Sports Writers Association. And speaking of writing, my man is also an author. He wrote The Analytics of Dynasty, uh, which released about a year ago, if I remember correctly. Jordan, welcome back to the Dynasty War Zone, my friend. Thanks for having me back, guys. I appreciate it. <coughs> so so we, we just dubbed you as an author. Tell us about the original analytics of dynasty and what uh what you just recently released a couple of days ago yeah i uh i'm i'm choking up over here uh, i don't know what's going on the, the air's a little cold or something um hey, by the way you i did not catch that it was your face on costanza's uh on the costanza picture in your avatar i'll have to go and check that more detailed and you have 95 subscribers or 95 five-star ratings now so all right um i added one while you were talking so Galaxy Dynasty 2020 is out. Uh, we talked about a year ago this time uh, about the 2019 edition. <clears throat> the 2020 edition is a step further. Uh, I didn't intend when I wrote the 2019 edition to make it a yearly thing. I meant to write it as a one-off sort of evergreen 
production and and it just sort of be there uh and as i as i wrote and as i talked uh to subscribers and talked on podcasts and uh you know did the tour i more questions kept coming up about you know just different ideas and different concepts and just stuff that at some point you have to put an end to writing it and, and release it um and but there were still unanswered questions so I, I just started thinking again in like you know march and april and may i said you know I, I, maybe there's something more there and i reworked some data and i just i started looking at some different questions and i said there's more here and in particular with a lot of superflex stuff uh the 2019 edition didn't have a lot of superflex focus because i just didn't have the historical data I had all the historical data on the start ones, you know, going back to, I had startup data going back to 2008. So I was able to do a lot of stuff like that and looking at a lot of rookies and rookie ADP and all those things, but I didn't have Superflex stuff to gauge it against. Uh, this year I was able to get Superflex data dating back to 2014. So I had 2014 through 2018 in terms of startup ADP uh, for Superflex, just as a way to be able to analyze and look at that marketplace and see how things are different I was really interested on, you know, if there's any historic tier breaks or any places where quarterbacks tend to congregate more in startup drafts and things like that. And also the valuation of quarterbacks, you know, is there certain times in a, in a startup draft where you're better to uh, go after quarterbacks than not and sort of look at those historical baselines. Uh, and I found some really interesting stuff with that. In addition, some metrics to look at in terms of quarterback production and certain, there's a specific quarterback, uh, you know, box that once a quarterback checks, they really turn into a a, a long-term dynasty asset, uh, which I, I, it was surprising to me when I saw that, uh, it was surprising to me sort of how that came about. Um, but it's, it's as big of a divide in terms of dynasty fantasy football production between, you know, any stat that I've seen. So um, that's a super flex chapter. I did a lot on base rates. Um, I have a chapter just called base rates and it's just about players that haven't hit yet and sort of what that means for their future productivity. And, you know, you see, for example, a good one is like that, you know, uh, Devontae Parker coming into this year had missed through his first four seasons. You know, he's a fifth year guy in the NFL, first round draft pick and had not hit. No one had done that. No one had missed for four straight years uh, this century as a round one wide receiver and then hit in year five or beyond, he's the first person to do it. So you sort of look at those types of things and it gives you a different range of outcomes on players and how you analyze players. A guy like OJ Howard, who's missed through this part of his career, what's that mean going forward? Um, you know, those sorts of concepts. So there's a lot in there on that. And then I also wanted to look at, you know, the 2019 edition looked a lot at the average production of players and those sorts of things. And, and, you know, the average hit rate and the average starter seasons and starter games and those sorts of things. I wanted to see sort of what the spread was on those things. And so what I took players that had hit and looked at their density. And so how, how dense was their hit? And I call this like the Kenny Galladay rule. If, if, you know, a guy from lower pedigree hits, how does that change his, his, uh, likelihood to hit going forward and what's his range of outcomes how does that change once he hits so there's a lot of stuff like that i also looked at a lot of different strategies in terms of like trading and startups and trading rookie picks and a lot of different valuations that i did some polling on twitter just to see where the market was and just test some of those ideas and i found a lot of things that the market believes and that dynasty owners believe in general that i just don't think is supported in fact and when you know them there's there's easy opportunities to exploit uh, and make your dynasty team better 
I, I absolutely love that. And when Jordan reached out a couple weeks ago, because this is what you do. Um, you work hard. Not only did he work hard in the book, but he works hard. I won't tell you how many podcasts this poor man's already recorded on this given day. But, but he's, <laughs> out there, he's out there hustling. And when he reached out, I was like, well, we, we talked about the book last year. And then I realized it was part two. And this is mm-hmm. the classic example of something that Jerry and I always champion. Um, not just analytics, but just hard work in general. There is no substitute for hard work. Um, you, you've got to put in the work, and that tells me that you weren't satisfied with your product. No, you didn't think it was bad, but you're like, man, I, I, can, I can improve this. So uh, kudos to you. I look forward to jumping into ch- uh, Chapter 2 or Version 2.0 as you have it listed. But, Jerry, do you have anything for, for Mr. Jordan before we jump into a little bit of news? Did you get more confident as you wrote it this year? Uh, it just, I, I feel, so I, I got the book. I read a good chunk of your book because, like I said, I like when other people do the work. <laughs> and, you know, we we talked about it last year, and you, you said, and you reiterated this time, that it was sort of going to be a one-time thing. Did you just know you could do it? Is that why you did it, too? Like, he, he, like he, you knew it was just going to be, you know, you, you were capable of doing it, so you're just, you know what, I'm going to kick this world's ass. Uh, yeah, it's funny. I, I, it's a lot of, there's unanswered questions. And then I sort of sit here thinking about it. And then I do the research and I've got all this research and I've got this question answered. And what do I do with that? And do I, do I, you know, hide it behind, you know, my own screen or do I, do I write it? And that I just I just decided to write it. And it's funny, both times the book has basically come from just my notes of writing stuff down and um, and just and just the process of doing the research and then and then going and writing and trying different things. And it's always funny because I in association with releasing the book, I released a Patreon channel. And so you can go patreon.com slash analytics dynasty. And I've got podcasts there. And it's funny because like it's January and this is just the dynasty world, but I'm, I'm releasing podcasts. Like I, I think it's I, my channel has been open for maybe just short of four weeks now. And I've probably got 15 to 20 shows out already. And it's just, it's just, I look at stuff. I research stuff. It interests me. And I think it interests other people. And when I got into those conversations, you know, with you guys and with other podcasts that I did, and I did my pre-order special and I did all those uh, one-on-one strategy sessions, which were, uh, it was a ton of time investment in that. But a lot of stuff came from that, which is, hey, here are questions that people have and here are stuff people are doing. How can I address those things? And here's ideas that I hadn't thought of. And I gained as much from those as, uh, you know, the people that did those did. And I, I, all of that, all of that time and energy that I spent doing that just was more creative, you know, fire. And yeah, knowing that you can do it is, is, you know, knowing that you're not going to, not necessarily knowing that I wasn't going to fail, but knowing that I had done it before, I knew the process to do it. Um, I knew what time it would take and to just, you know, put pen to paper and get after it. Um, you know, that, that, that made it easier to, to pick up the pen again and do it again. And now if I am holding out hope on Corey Davis, does Devonte Parker give me that hope or should I just throw it away? Yeah. So here's a fascinating one. So I looked at this because I wanted to know, like, I, I wanted to know these things, right? Because I think it's really important to have, to have an idea of range of outcomes of players and you get these debates on Twitter that happened and they can be nauseating. They can be enlightening. They can be all ranges of frustrating to illuminating to whatever. And Damian Williams was a good example of this last year. There's, there's these players every year that have these, 
polarizing yes yeah. yes and and i said there's got to be a way to just sort of know what the you know what's the number and and then if we just know what the historical number is like we you or i might like Corey davis more we might like Corey davis less but if i know what the number is i can then i have a place to go from and that's that's all a base rate is and just in, in statistics it's just you know knowing what the odds are of a, of a given situation and then once you know what that base rate is you can move off of that you can say i think it's more likely than the normal i think it's less likely than the normal and those sorts of things um i think uh i i think his his value he's probably going to fall to such a such a cheap valuation in startup drafts that i kind of have to be in but i'm sort of tempering my upside I'm tempering my expectations in terms of maybe he doesn't, maybe he doesn't produce top 24 production. Maybe it's more like wide receiver three, wide receiver four. Maybe that's the realm he lives in. Um, I still think he's got a shot. I think if there's, if there's any person that's going to break this, um, you know, he, he, he fits in the two guys that had done this after year three. So only, only two guys had hit from round one after missing the first three years. And they were Michael Crabtree and Peter Wark. So we're going back a while. Yeah. And both of them had something in common, which they have in common with Corey Davis. So if you're going to hold out hope for Corey Davis, it is the fact that he had produced a wide receiver three finish. So he had finished, I think it's wide receiver 28. I wrote about it in the book. He, he had a top 30 finish, but didn't get inside the top 24 line uh, early in his career. And both Michael Crabtree and Peter Wark did. So if you're looking for comps, that's sort of the range in which you would look for him. It, it gives me concern with a guy like Will Fuller, who has not done that and is entering year five. So he's on the Devontae Parker type track where, you know, he is he is uh, on the on the wrong side of those metrics and he would be more of an outlier. Although you could say you could make an argument that he doesn't fit the mold because he's been injured, missed time and those sorts of things. I think that's more the argument you'd make for Fuller. Um, but the, the base rate's really low on Corey Davis. Like it's less than it's, I think it's 17% or something like that. I'd have to readjust now that Parker hit my data. didn't include Parker, uh, because I capped it at the 2000, you know, before the 2019 season was where all my data capped just because I couldn't, I wasn't going to be able to write it all in January. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but I did include a, 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 a chunk in there about, about Parker, but you know, the, the number's low. And I, I think that, I think that's probably not something that would be, I didn't, I didn't appreciate that before I wrote this and did this research. I thought it was higher than that. I thought they hit later on. And it's actually one of the rare spots in which pedigree hurts players. Um, you know, round two guys, for example, are more likely to hit after round after missing for four straight years than a round one guy is. And I think that that's, it's opening and surprising, but it's, it, is historically you see guys like Robert Woods and Golden Tate change teams um, and didn't get a full-on opportunity to prove it in the rookie deal, change teams and sort of hit. Um, whereas a wide receiver, and you see this at quarterback too, the early drafted wide receivers get basically forced into stink or swim type situations early in their career, and then they either do it or phase out. And so that's it's an interesting dichotomy when you look at those two things. And I would have never have thought that coming into this process. Well, there you go. If Corey Davis hits in the next year or two, I will owe Nick Whalen the largest apology in the history of recorded Dynasty podcast. Nick, I hope you're right, buddy. All right, I want to jump into some news. And as we've been doing all playoff season, we're only going to talk about the, the, the teams that lost this week. We have two, but because of that, 
Uh, we just want to throw in a couple of other random stories that we'll jump into as rookie season progresses. But the 2020 class, uh, it might be considered the class that wasn't. I don't recall in recent memory where so many players elected to go back to college. And the most recent was uh, Jerry's guy that he had to have was Clemson superstar running back Travis Etienne heading back cool. to school in, pre- in pursuit of another national championship with uh, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he joins guys like Chuba Hubbard, Najee Harris, Trey Sermon, uh, as well as many other skill position guys. So uh, I'm just going to let both of you guys take this one. I'll start with Jerry. What does this do with the 2020 uh, first? Because for, literally for the last more than 12 months, I mean, it's been closer to 18 months. It's been 2020, 2020, 2020, get them, stock them up, got to have them. And now all of a sudden with all these guys going back to school, especially the back end first seem to have taken some hits. So Jerry, what are you doing with your, say, 107 through 112? And uh, how much damage did this do to this class? I mean, it. I think it hit the perceptive or the, the perception around it more than it actually will when it comes time for us to hit our rookie drafts. There was always going to be guys that go back. Like as, as much as I like to watch Chuba Hubbard play, it, it was sort of suggested that he was going to return back to Oklahoma State. Travis Etienne, that really ripped my soul out, though. I really thought he was going to come. <sighs> Here's my thing with rookie picks half of the time you're missing on them anyway. So it's, you know, it's, it's a dart shot as it is. It hurts. But the thing about dynasty players, and we're going to talk about, you know, mistakes the dynasty players make, you know, in a little bit next year is always the best. You know, the backup quarterback is always better than the starter. So I still think 2020, you know, rookie class is good class. I, I think we're going to have game changers from the wide, re- wide receiver position and the running back position. I'm, I'm holding for now because the, the narrative around the back end of the first is so down right now. It, when it gets time, when it gets closer to the draft picks and they, you know, they start the rookie fever picks up because we're in that lull right now. We're in the playoffs and, you know, fantasy's not matter. We only got two NFL teams playing right now. We haven't had the senior bowl. We're just now getting into practices. We haven't had the combine. We're not getting any of this. That rookie fever is going to pick back up. And when we get into April, we get into March and that Las Vegas from the, you know, the fountains of the Bellagio now that just got released today, everybody's going to want their rookies because eventually there's going to be that, you know, Royce Freeman, Daryl Henderson, some guy's going to come out of nowhere and you're just going to love him. So I'm holding tight. I'm not going to go crazy on these. You know, in in general, I tend to like to trade my first round picks for assets. I like to pair them with a player and get a better player. But at this point, I'm not doing that. And, you know, we've been saying that in the Patreon chat. It's, you know, don't trade when the news is bad. And right now, the news is sort of bad when it comes to that back end of the first. So in time, I'm I'm pushing them off. I, I, that time is not right now, though. What about you, Jordan? What are you doing with these 2020s now that the, uh, I guess, the news and the perception is bad? Yeah, I mean, I, I still think the class is going to be pretty good. And, I, you know, I, I think where you're probably going to see the hit, if I had to sort of predict 
a couple months from now, I think that where you're going to see the hit is from picks, you know, I don't know, let's just call it like 10 through 24 for running backs. I think that's probably where you're going to see the hit. Uh, and you're going to, you know, like last year was a good class for uh, the second round of, of rookie picks. It was, you know, just in terms of the pedigree guys that were there, um, you know, there was a lot talked about at the top. It wasn't a good class and those sorts of things. It was a good class in the second round. You just had to be able to sort of navigate that. And I, I talk about it in the book. I did a whole chapter on the 2019 class about that concept. Um, I think that's probably where this class is going to struggle, if I had to guess, because I, I I'm just watching things from the senior bowl coming in and, and people are weighing less than we expect. And you just sort of look at how that's going to affect them. And I think it's going to drop pedigrees. I'm not sure you're going to get the Damian Harris, uh, Madison, Singletary, Daryl Henderson, David Montgomery type picks in the third round this year. Um, and so that's, that's a little bit where I'm skeptical. I do think up at the top of the draft, it's going to be good. Uh, I still think you've got three really good running backs Four, if you want to include uh, Cam Akers in that, who's I think a little bit more divided in terms of how people view him. Um, but you're going to get, I think you're going to get four five, six, seven wide receivers in the first round. I mean, that, that supports a good rookie class. And when those guys go high, even though running backs have made the difference recently, dynasty owners are still in love with with the wide receivers especially when you can get them in a rookie draft and you know they have immediate situations and all those sorts of things i mean we weren't you know just think of the players last year that went super high in terms of like paris campbell and some of these other guys and, and hakeem butler fell to day three and still went you know firmly in the second round you know all of those things are still going to create opportunities to uh, avoid profiles and you might even be able to trade down depending on how how all these things fall it might be the opportunity where you can move down in the first round and collect future assets so um i still you know when when the market's going one way i think it's usually the opportunity to do something different and um this could be one of the, another one of those classes. I, I, not to put you on the spot real quick, mm-hmm. uh, I got to get your take on Cam Akers. If we're going to talk about polarizing players, I, 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 uh, I, I don't have an opinion on him yet. So mm-hmm. I am trying to accumulate as much as I can. So what, what do the numbers say about him? What do you think about him? Oh, I think just in terms of, I mean, I, I, I look at profiles a lot. And so I, I tend to... I tend to want players that reflect a successful profile. So you look at and and figure out different ways to get those. So I like guys that are prototypically sized with two-way ability. So being able to both run and catch. Um, and Madison was a good reflection of that last year. Uh, I think Cam Akers is going to be a good reflection of it this year. And you get you and there's a certain subset of running backs that are are the most highly valuable, and they tend to go higher in the draft than than we expect. Uh, and you know, I I looked at that in the 2019 edition of the book. 21 year old running backs go a full a full round higher in the NFL draft than 22 year old running backs do. And you know that there's multiple different reasons for that and explanations for that. But each year we see a guy that's 21 go higher than we expect. Carry on Johnson two years ago, Madison last year. I don't think anyone predicted him in the third round and he sort of gets vaulted up there. And so that's a trend that we see uh, in terms of the metrics. I, I think he's, I think he's a stud and I love his tape. So if he's going to be the running back four in this class, I'm probably going to be in. All right. I, I can dig that. So we're, 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 we've kind of veered off on some rookie talk, which is great because it's tis the season as it said. So the senior bowl's underway down in Mobile, Alabama. 
Uh, beautiful area of the country if you've never been. I would like to go for the Senior Bowl at some point. Uh, and it's we'll, well worth going, by the way. A hundred percent. I see a lot of uh, friends and fellow, you know, dynasty enthusiasts down there right now reporting back, and looks like they're having an absolute blast. And uh, we'll, we'll do a full recap on next week's show as it relates to, you know, we did this last year, and you know, this is where we found guys like Terry McLaren and guys like Debo Samuel. That's where, uh, you know, if you're not the, you know, the Devi enthusiast like Kane or Nick, then this is where these guys are really starting to pop. Uh, I was following along on Twitter today, you know, on lunch, and, you know, I was looking through some some random stats, heights and weights, and the one that stuck out to me, and I'll just go ahead and jump into it, was Justin Herbert's hand size. My man had a 10-inch size mitt, and that puts him in some some pretty exclusive company. Uh, in recent memory, quarterbacks with a 10-inch or bigger hand include Brett Favre, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, Peyton Manning, Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott has one of the largest hands in the NFL, almost 11 inches. Uh, Ryan Fitzmagic, the, the late Steve McNair, Nick Foles, Carson Wentz, Matthew Stafford, Andrew Luck, and the jury still kind of out on, on Gardner Minshew. Some guys with big hands that uh, didn't fare so well, especially from a fantasy standpoint. Cody Kessler, Mark Sanchez, Heath Schuler, and here's a name for you, Jim Druckenmiller, if you remember that guy. So those guys had big hands, didn't hit. Why this sticks out to me, uh, if you remember on last year, last week's two-parter, excuse me, I was the guy who, who I don't want to say has fallen in love, but I think Justin Herbert is my 2020 uh Daniel Jones, and who was my 2018 Josh Allen. I like these big strapping some bitches with, you know, big hands. And, you know, they're, they're not great athletes like a Lamar Jackson, but they're not statuesque pocket passers like Matt Ryan. You know, it, it kind of fits with, with the modern NFL. So just one more reason for me to like Justin Herbert. The guy's got some big mitts on him. I'll throw this one to Jerry, and Jerry, you throw it to Jordan. Any stat that stuck out, you know, that stuck out a height, a weight, um, just anything from the, the senior bowl today that you want to talk about real quick? It's a dude we sort of crapped on last week. All of us unanimously. And, you know, he's a guy that we drafted in our Devi league and we have since traded him away because we're brilliant. Uh, Eno Benjamin of Arizona state, five foot nine, 195 pounds, less than eight and a half inch hands. Ah, just not a guy that really took that step that I wanted to see in 2019. I really thought he, uh, he had a chance to do something and he just didn't. He reminds me a lot of LJ Scott at Michigan State that I was, you know, watching in my poop, you know, college. Uh he just good good pass catcher, but I I need to see it more and that really cuz he sort of he doesn't do what littler running backs do. He sort of wants to be violent when he runs it. He's just not excellent at it and to see his size like that didn't love it. Uh, I don't think he's going to be a burner when it comes to the combine either. So it's just, it's just sky, you know, just plummeting. I, I, I'm good on Eno Benjamin. Sorry, no thank you. All right, Jordan, anything stood out to you today as you were watching the feed come across Twitter? Yeah, I didn't dive too much into it. And I've gone to the Senior Bowl. Uh, I was there in 2017. Uh, pre-kids, you know, pre, pre-daughter. So that's a, a, a big distinction in terms of life ability to go to the Senior Bowl. Um, but one thing I, I sort of am cautious on is overreacting to the Senior Bowl, just based on when I was there, 
uh, and some of the things that I observed and what the narrative was on players uh, based on what I saw, I just, I, I didn't buy that. And I would just caution some of the big names and I'm not going to call anyone specifically, but some of the bigger names, I think that, that uh, talk about the senior bowl, uh, I was watching when the, what they were doing when some of these players were out there and they weren't watching the practice. And I'll just say that, I mean, they were, they were socializing, doing other things. So I'm a little skeptical on who I, who I listen to on these so senior like bowl reactions. chamber. Like yeah, they, they hear something and they just regurgitate it. Yep, that's exactly what happens. Because like there, there was a a famous person that was, and I was watching, and it was specifically Amar Darbo, and he was seventy five yards away from where Amar Darbo was, and I was like, "There's no way he sees him." And just in the conversation that he was having, like he was not paying attention to what Amar Darbo was doing, and then he was talking to Amar Darbo. So, um, you know, I, I'm I'm skeptical a little bit of those things. Um, and draft pedigree matters so much in terms of in terms of what happens. So I think it's important to have your your notes, your thoughts. I don't react, overreact to any of this stuff, but you know, if a player uh, quote has a good Senior Bowl week, has a good combine, and sort of builds that narrative and ends up uh, resulting in something in the uh, NFL draft more than what we expect, I think that's notable. So I sort of take it as, as one factor, uh, just generally. Um, I'm of all the things I'm. I'm super into super flex uh, and I, you know, I'm re- newer ish to the, to the format. I think what this is probably my third year playing super flex, but I'm, I did all this research and I'm sort of into it now, you know, I'm, I'm just getting geeky on super flex. So I'm really interested in some of the quarterbacks um, you know, her, what Herbert does. I think there's a reasonable chance he goes in the top 10 of the NFL draft. I think metrically he's probably going to check out. Um, he was really high in my model. I haven't updated it. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm finishing the book and trying to get the book out there and, and, uh, then I'll sort of track back through with my rookie metrics and all that stuff. But I did a ton of quarterback studying and he was a guy that projected pretty high. Uh, I think it was last year, or the year before in terms of the metrics that I look at. So, um, he's a guy I'm interested in. Um, and I just want to see, you know, what, what they, what these teams think of guys like Jalen Hurts and, and Jordan Love and sort of where they're going to go in the NFL draft uh, because, and we've seen quarterbacks have early success. And if it's, a, if it's going to be a deep class at quarterback, you, know, you can sort of pick and choose the ones you like, and it's just going to create more value down the board. So of all the things, I think this is the, the most draft pedigree we're going to get out of this, this senior bowl is going to be the quarterback. So I'm really interested in how they all pan out. Well, side note, Justin, uh, excuse me, Jordan Love also had some big mitts on him as well. I believe he was in the 10-inch hand range as well. And, and allegedly, my uh, Indianapolis Colts, and I'm a big fan of our uh, the Colts GM, Chris Ballard, is alleged, allegedly smitten with Mr. Love. So we'll see if he makes it past the Colts at, at 13. I want to get your guys' dynasty takes real quick on the Titans and the Packers coming off their losses this weekend in their respective conference games. I'll start with Tennessee. Uh, guys that I'm, I'm looking to buy, I think Ryan Tannehill's postseason games against New England and Baltimore really kind of you know depressed his super flex value. It's as if we've forgotten the fact that he was a top five dynasty quarterback. I mean, well, top five fantasy quarterback for week seven through week 16, which is most weeks playoff, most leagues playoff championship week. I mean, he was money. He was right there toward the league lead in completions and yards per attempt and touchdown rate. And he, he was just killing it. And due to the game plan of the team in the playoffs, I think people have forgotten about that. Tennessee has made it uh, abundantly clear that re-signing both Tannehill and Henry 
is is a main priority. I don't I don't think a good friend of the show and a good friend of all of ours, Dan Williamson at Overhype Sleeper on Twitter. He's making it his personal mission in all best ball format and redraft formats to make AJ Brown the one on one. He is on a mission. I don't think you can touch AJ Brown right now at his current cost. I'll gladly take some Jonu Smith. Uh, I I I'm not sure what to do with Derrick Henry. Um, I, I like him. I, I rode him to a semifinal appearance in the UDPL uh, Dynasty League. I traded him. Uh, I traded him and Jarvis Landry for George Kittle and Tariq Cohen. That's a tight end premium, 1.75. I, I will not lose one one minute of sleep over that trade as much as I like Derrick Henry. So for me, I, I'm hoping to take a, take a cheap shot on Tannehill's, in my perception, depressed Superflex value and Jonu Smith. I think Henry and A.J. Brown are too hot for me. Jerry, what do you got? And then uh, toss it over to uh, our guest. I think that's, uh, I, honestly, I don't think I have much to add. I think I am buying Jonu. Just dude looked pretty good. And I really didn't think uh, he was going to be the guy to take the, the reins from Delaney Walker. As far as A.J. Brown is concerned, good God. That man is hotter than the sun right now. No, thank you. I'm good. I will pass on that situation. He's good. The dude's good. I don't... That situation is just... It's going to be tough to repeat that sort of, you know, those monster plays, but also he's going to get an increase in receptions. He's not going to get, you know, 53 or 56 or whatever he got in 2019. It's tough, and it's about time the big running back paid off for me. I've been a sucker you know, for every Jordan Howard I go for, I, I finally had Derrick Henry work out for me. Uh, that's another one I think I'm selling just because that that's ceiling sky high. And if I can get out from under it, I really don't think 30 carries a game is going to be uh, sustainable. Jordan, Tennessee Titans, my friend, what do you got? I'm really interested in what their free agency is going to be because to get uh, Henry and Tannehill under contract. Uh, it's going to be 40 plus million, I think is, is a reasonable you know, 35 to 40 plus could be what's required. And, you know, that's, that's a lot of money. Uh, and I, I know Derek Henry was fantastic, but again, what do we, how does the market value a running back like him? And honestly, if he hit the free agent market, I'm not sure. I mean, this is part of the the benefit of where we are as a dynasty community and in the NFL right now is we're pretty good at running back. Like we have a lot of, we've got a lot of good ones. And you know, what is the market for a 20, what's, what's he, I think he's 26. He just turned 26 uh, this month. Yeah. What's a market for a 26 year old basically between the tackles bruiser who doesn't contribute in the passing game. Um, and if he hits free agency, what's a team, how many, how many legitimately, how many teams are in the market for that? Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see what he makes in terms of, in terms of that. I think the, his most likely outcome is going back to Tennessee. Um, and I think, you know, I, I just, he led the league in rushing and led and was tied for the league and, and, uh, rushing touchdowns and finishes is what running back five running back six something like that like that's that's his ceiling in terms of having no receiving production um and you know you just you look at that and i i 
I think that's probably the high end of what you would expect his outcome to be. So um, with AJ Brown, I mean, 2.44 EPR points per target. That's just a, a ludicrously high number for a number that should be around 1.65. Um, and it's a, it's not something that's particularly sticky year over year. So when you get these high variance guys and they produce big, especially in the rookie year, they tend to go high in rookie drafts and you see, you know, my, my data, I went back and I looked at all the rookies that, uh, that hit for a top 24 season at the receiver position. And they, the, they on average jump 60 picks and start up draft valuation. And I had, I had AJ Brown just outside of the top 100 last year is where his ADP finished from by my data. Um, he's going to go well above that number. Uh, he's going to be probably closer to, you know, 25 30 somewhere in that range if not even higher so he's going to go well above where the historic rise has been um but it's all on non-repeatable at least something that hasn't historically happened at the receiver position which is someone to repeat that level of efficiency so if he's not going to see i mean he's he had 84 targets this year if that number doesn't you know get closer to 120 130 140 he's going to have a hard time repeating this level of production and i'm just i'm, I'm skeptical on him his ability to, to repeat that level of efficiency um and i wonder if they're going to bring back henry and be this run run heavy pound you out type offense how much volume can he truly support so i'm off of him at his at this really high cost that he's got right now well you, you said you, you said several things there that, that i like quite a bit you talked about the fantasy points per target, which is a great stat and analytic that we have not had shared on the Dynasty Warzone to date. And you're right, it, it is a, a very um, if-and situation. If they bring back Derrick Henry, then the the mindset would be is that they would, in fact, continue this the same, you know, model uh, of of play defense and, and pound the ball with Derrick Henry. Obviously, 30 touches and rushes per game is not sustainable uh but i agree i, I like aj brown uh and per ryan mcdowell of the dlf uh he's going in toward the back end of the second round in their dlf mock data right now somewhere between 20 and 24 so you were pretty close when you said 25 to 30 but it's actually uh, a, a tick a tick higher than that i want to jump over to the packers uh, man, for, for me, that this is, uh, I think Aaron Rodgers' name is worth more than what Aaron Rodgers will put in your, your dynasty roster. Um, Vegas, the, the shows that I listen to with RJ Bell and his crew, Steve Fezzik, Brad Powers, that they're big into QBR because it has a lot more measures of efficiency than your old fashioned quarterback rating. And Aaron Rodgers this past year in 2019 was 20th in QBR. Last year, he was 16th. Uh, 2017, now that was an injury-riddled season for him. He was outside the top 30. He hasn't been inside the top 10 uh, since 2016. And their stats, even though their win total went up under Matt LaFleur and they made it to the NFC Championship game under Matt LaFleur, his overall stat profile went down. Um, it's hard It's hard to, to say by a 27-year-old wide receiver. He just turned 27 this month. Uh, Devontae Adams, but man, I, I think he, you can get three really, really high-end premium years. So Devontae Adams missed three games this year, still commanded 22.3% of Aaron Rodgers' total attempts on the season. So he missed three games and still basically got just just over 20% of 
Aaron Rodgers total volume. Obviously, he's got that. The, the guy that I'm looking to buy in Green Bay, I'll let you guys elaborate on Aaron Jones or anyone else, Alan Lazard, uh, Allison, if you want to talk about Geronimo. But for me, it's Jay Sternberger. Um, th- th- this guy was someone that I was big on last year in tight end premium drafts. I was really more into you know picking up him and Cahill Warren than I were guys like Josh Oliver. Uh, and then th- there was one that went to the Bengals and one that went to the Jaguars. I wasn't as into those guys. I w- it was a big Jay Sternberger guy. I thought he was the tight end three in this class behind Hawkinson and behind Noah Fant. So this time I'll throw it to Jordan. And Jordan, when you're done, throw it to Jerry. W- what do you got on the Packers and what are you doing with their dynasty assets? I, you hit Sternberger right on the head for me. Um, I thought I thought that was a good thing to see him at least involved, considering we didn't really see much of him this season. So I think he that that roster could clear out pretty quickly in terms of Jimmy Graham, you know, moving on or, or whatnot. His number is really high, and I think they can get out of his contract. So uh, I would expect that to happen. I I. I get the criticism. There's a lot of analytics criticism of Aaron Rodgers, and I, I, I sort of get it. And as I sort of watch the games, I see what the complaint is. I just can't, I just can't separate that from the fact that he has limited uh, supporting cast. And you know, you look at when he was in his prime, when when Aaron Rodgers was putting up the massive seasons in his prime. Uh, Devontae Adams was a young receiver who was the third wide receiver on the team behind Randall Cobb and Jordy Nelson. Now Devontae Adams is the is the the number one, and he's granted taken a massive step forward since that time. But there hasn't been the backfill of Kai's. And I think outside of I think it's Devontae Adams and, and maybe the year after they took Ty Montgomery on day two. But outside of that, they haven't they haven't taken any receivers of any high pedigree. They haven't added anyone to help him and now you sort of get uh, you get a, a a passing attack that I think is is devoid of the type of playmakers that really elevate an offense and so I, I understand that Rodgers has dropped in production uh, I, I can't I, I don't know it's a chicken or the egg problem I'm not sure which if it's if it's him I think it's a little bit of both probably um, and it would be interesting if they went and got added a, a free agent and added uh, someone in the draft in a good class to bring in and juice up this passing attack even more. So that's kind of what I'm looking for. And if the if the the market is going to be down on Aaron Rodgers, I'll pro- you know in the if he's going to fall into the teens of startup drafts, which I I haven't quite seen yet, but I think it's a, a possibility. If that if that comes to fruition, I'm probably going to be in at that cost. All right, Jerry. I am. Look at you guys. That was now I don't know what the hell to do with Aaron Rodgers. It's fine. Uh, so I'll talk about Aaron Jones because finally that man stayed on the field and he helped you out. Unfortunately for me, I'm not trusting it in 2020. My man was extremely touchdown dependent and he, good God, did he put your team on his back several of those weeks and just carried you to W's? I just don't really think we're going to see it for 32 straight games if he can pull it off again next year. I'm flipping Aaron Jones. What was he, the RB2, RB3 this year? RB2. 
just ahead of Ezekiel Elliott. It, it, when you when you go with the full sixteen game slate, I know a lot of a lot of stats and and counting sites stop at week sixteen when the fantasy playoffs end, but I, I tend to do my mine a little bit differently, so I always include all sixteen games. Uh, but yeah, averaged nineteen point six eight points per game in full point PPR, uh, three point one points more than Zeke, which is great. Do not get me wrong. I loved me some Aaron Jones as a prospect, but maybe it's because I've watched, you know, carry on Johnson run the same sort of way and get hurt a bunch of times. And I've seen him get hurt a bunch of times that I just, I can't trust it. I really don't think we're going to see, you know, what did he get? 18 touchdowns this year? Something absurd. 16, 16, 16. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm good on that. And if, and if he gets, you know, 10, which is good. Don't get me wrong. 10 touchdowns. I would be thrilled to have a running back that had 10 touchdowns with, with the amount of production in the, the poop games that he has. Cause my man has some, some stinkers. Uh, I, I'm good. If I can sell him and let me tell you, you, Randy always tells you, you got to put your salesman hat on. I'm selling him as the RB two. Would you like the RB two going into 2020? Aaron Jones is that guy that I'm selling as far as everybody else. I, I I see where uh, Jordan is coming with Aaron Rodgers, and if they do get a nice, young, sexy rookie wide receiver in that offense, oh my God, the hype that is going to be around the production of that wide receiver is going to far surpass what everyone thought Paris Campbell with Andrew Luck was going to be hypothetically. So I and I will be right in there with them. All right, we, we've talked enough about the news and just some good conversation. I want to jump into some a uh, couple of questions for Jordan, and then Jerry and I will bat these around as well a little bit. But Jordan, as it relates to your book, and we don't want you to give you know too much away. We want the listener to go over to the analytics of uh, dynasty.com and check out the book and you know buy a copy, buy the old one, buy the new one, check it out. But but in your opinion, what is the biggest mistake that you see dynasty players making regularly? Oh, that's that's taking wide receivers outside the top seventy-five of a of a startup draft with the idea that they're going to preserve value uh, over running backs, um, and you know that that just isn't true. And you see these teams that load up, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13 wide receivers, and they're thinking, well, look, I'm going to preserve my long-term value by taking a longer-term position. Um, that just isn't what happens. And, um, you know, you, you look later on in a draft and you get, you know, at, at, and I would say at almost any time that you take a receiver over a running back, it's a losing proposition just on, on average. Um, but it is certainly the case outside of the top 75 of like a super flex draft. Anytime you do that, um, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a losing proposition and you are not capturing uh, you're not rate retaining value um, and they don't gain value at a higher rate um, in the peak seasons, the guys that hit for truly uh, game changing seasons, it's, it's or, um, season changing type production. It's a, it's at running back, but far and away more common than, than receiver. And so I, I see these rosters with, with all these running backs and receivers. Um, and I did some simulations on this in my, in my book. I talked about it a lot. Every time you sort of take a running back over a receiver, um, just on, just randomly, just take a random, just randomly do it. You bump up your average expectation. And when you, both your floor and your ceiling. And so everything sort of moves up by limiting your, 
taking fewer receivers, taking more running backs. Uh, and I, I just think that's the, the right way to go. And in, if you include in that, on top of just the roster construction change, uh, the, the different profiles to avoid, I think you can do it even better than what my simulations would say. So I think loading up on receiver with the intent to preserve value later on in a draft, it's, that's the biggest mistake I see. So I, I heard you say that, and I instantly threw twenty. This is what I this is what I Google search twenty nineteen superflex mock draft, and I, I started looking, and I was like, I'll be damned. He he absolutely nailed it. Now there's a couple of guys that went at the wide receiver position after number seventy five, but Alshon Jeffrey last year, wide receiver seventy seven, kind of sandwiched in between uh, David Montgomery and. Darius Geis. I would much rather have Darius Geis, even with two bad wheels, than an Alshon Jeffrey. So I agree with that. Jerry, what's one that you do see? I definitely agree with what Jordan's saying here, but what's one that you see people do on the reg? They just always, always make rash and immediate decisions based on whatever the hell they see that day. How many times do you see a poll, a trade poll? Because we all get tagged in them. I see that we all get tagged in them. That the trade is whatever player is the new hotness or whoever is in, you know, got bad news surrounding them. It is always, every single day, regurgitated. How many times do I got to see A.J. Brown? I don't know, a thousand. A thousand quadrillion times do I got to see an A.J. Brown trade before the start of this season how many Daryl Henderson trades did I see how many Todd Gurley trades did I see stop take a breath Randy has been trying to tell y'all for the last month that we are playing dynasty there are too many fantasy football players out there pretending like they're playing dynasty football it's you got to relax a little bit that is the one thing I would say that dynasty players love to do is just go with the news. Don't trade, you know, don't don't sell when the news is bad. That's a that's a bad proposition and you are going to continuously lose potential profit by doing so. I I said in the in the first book when I when I wrote it, you know, here's here's a handful of strategies that can guide your thing that one of the most contrarian things you can do in a dynasty league is actually play long term. Because because a lot of owners, like you just said, live in the moment and have to make, you know, immediate deals and those sorts of things to truly be to truly play it long term and to be patient is it's a um, in terms of approach, in terms of in terms of trading and all of those things. I think that's you totally hit you totally hit that on the head. I totally agree with that. And and what I'll add real quick is that. any and I agree with both you guys. I'll piggyback a little bit on Jerry's. You can assume that anything that you know about a dynasty asset, everybody else already knows, and it's already baked into their current price. We we can talk about this now. If you want to get out ahead of things, I'm, I'll I'll give you a little sneak peek into the Patreon I cut last night. You know, I'm a big fan of what Scott Turner, son of Norv Turner, did in his time working with his father for dynasty assets like Christian McCaffrey, like DJ Moore uh, in his time in Carolina. And you can track his dad's ties to fantasy success all the way back to the Dallas Cowboys with Emmett Smith and Michael Irvin. So I absolutely love this for Terry McLaren. I love it for Darius Geis. 
that's not a common take that you're hearing right now. So I'm trying to be ahead of that because when you, when you go with the flow, you can assume that all that's already built into the price and you're paying for it. And you're really, really cutting out the equity that you're going to make on these moves. So I want to hit you with the next one because everybody loves a good trade. Our buddies JD and Dan over at the GOAT District, they always say hashtag always be trading. But, but what is the, the biggest pitfall that you see guys make, uh, you know, again, regularly, especially in the off season, like from the end of the regular season, um, even basically what's going on right now, what are you seeing Jordan out there in polls that you're tagged in or just in general from your history and time within the dynasty space? I think the, we overestimate, uh, our ability to get it right. And so I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer. I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer. uh, But when you look at, and it it cracks me up too, like you'll see these, these Twitter trends and there's people that are, you know, bigger names in the dynasty community constantly ragging on rookie picks. And they're like, well, you know, at the end of the first round of rookie drafts, it's only a 50, 50 shot. And I was like, yeah, if you put that, if you gave me a 50, 50 shot where those picks go in a startup draft, like I'd be killing people because that's not what those picks are worth, right? They're, they're much less than a 50, 50 bet. And so, um, you know, so I, I, we underestimate our, or we overestimate our ability to get it right. And I did a lot of things in the book. I actually looked at, um, you know, teams that trade up in startup drafts. And I just came at it with a presumption. If you're trading up, mortgaging a future pick, you're sort of going with a win now approach. Um, that didn't work well for those teams. I'll just say that like it moved the needle a little bit, but not nearly. I mean, people thought that it moved it, you know, increased the a team's odds 15 plus percent to make the playoffs. And it didn't do anywhere near that. And so when you sort of think about, especially this early in a, in a, in a, in the calendar, we don't know, you know, just think of all the quarterback injuries we had, the retirements that we had, the trades that we had at wide receiver, the fact that uh, Antonio Brown, if you include the bills was on four different teams last year. Um, You know uh, the, uh, there's so much that's going to happen that we just don't know and making really bold and rash decisions especially when you don't know what the the corresponding you know the historical rate is on these players so you know trading up to get in like a you know mortgaging a pick to to take someone in the sixth round of a startup draft like the odds that player are hitting are like less than 50 percent historically and if you're doing those things it's it's just a those things are just expressing a lot more confidence than you should have so i think we and we can't control the outcome right we're playing a game where we don't have any control over what the outcome of the player is. And if you sort of appreciate that and, and it's a lot like this conversation is, I think a great, it's a great conversation. These, you know, three threads we've had here, because if you sort of appreciate those things, you'll, I think you'll just make better decisions and just open yourself up to the possibility that we don't know as much as we think we do and the implications of that. And, you know, and, and, don't take massive bets on things that we can't, you know, we that historically are unlikely. And doing those things, I think it's just a, a good way to, um, to avoid making, I think, easy mistakes. And one thing I want to throw out there before I throw this to Jerry for his uh, opinions on what kind of pitfalls he's seen is that Jordan's right. And when he says 50%, I, I think somewhere, you know, like if you work your ass off like all of us do to, to help you, the listeners and the readers, of the content that all three of us provide along with Jordan's, you know, peers at the UTH, you know, we may be able to help you hit two thirds of the time, 66.67% of the time. And we're working our tails off. 
So for, for us to get, you know, and, and make big, bold bets on, on things that we don't have all the information on, I'm with Jordan on this. But before I give you mine, Jerry, what was yours? I want people to understand the situation that their team is in. Just because you you see that maybe the narrative around a certain trade is that you would lose the trade, stop worrying about losing a Twitter trade poll. If it is going to win you a championship, if you think it is puts you in a better situation and you're not, you know, you're not risking it for the biscuit, you know, Jordan tells me to and I quote, don't take massive bets that are historically unlikely. You know, if you're just going to better your team, do it. Don't worry. I don't give a damn if you think I lost a Twitter trade. I promise you I don't. If it is going to, like we, I had a conversation with a Patreon today. Listen, if you are in a situation where you need a quarterback and you're in a one quarterback league, and my man has a stacked team. I'm not going to say any names because I don't, you know, but... If you need a quarterback and you you want a high upside guy, you have these two guys that are just, you know, vanilla ice cream and you want to get over the top and you want to win and you want to rub it in your friends' faces like I like to do, take the damn shot. Do it. Bury your opponents. Don't ever, ever, ever let anything like a common narrative surrounding a player or a trade affect your decision. It's your team. You do what you think is best to win because you're the only one that knows the full situation of each team. I could ask you 25 questions about every single team you have that is involved in a trade. What's your situation? What's your league? You know, all of these things. There's a thousand variables and nothing in Dynasty is in a vacuum. Well, I I liked both of those. Mine is feeling that need to wake up every day and and feel like you got to be in action. So, some days it's cool just to sit back just and trade into trade. Well, I mean, we, we like trades, but but what's the intent behind it? You know, you're just talking about the Patreon. You were helping trying to address an obvious weakness at the quarterback position, but just the 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 constant need twenty four seven to be in action. So so one thing is is I've switched careers to manufacturing. You know, one of the things that they use in manufacturing is the five whys. And you need to, and something I'm really trying, this is new to me, I'm, I'm learning this for work, but I'm also applying this to dynasty and other aspects of my life. I need to ask myself why five times. Hey, you know what? I'm going to go trade for Kyler Murray today. Why? Well, I think he's going to be really good. Why? Well, because he had, you know, th- these metrics. Why? Well, because he's got a, you know, a progressive offensive, you know, minded, you know, coach. And you just got to keep being able to answer these questions and, you know, question yourself, you know, join a Patreon. It doesn't have to be ours. It could be Jordan's. It could be the UTH. It could be the Dynasty Nerd. It could be anybody, but find someone to ask the why. And that's part of being a Patreon. When, when, when you're a customer, that helps you with the why. So I would just say, you know, not to make this a business plug, but, but we're always selling. That's, that's part of our job. It, it's the ask why. Why, why, why? And write it down. And, and, and what purpose does this serve? And if you can't answer those whys, you're spinning your wheels and only doing more harm than good. Think of the restaurant owner that owns a nice restaurant. You went out, you hired the best chef in, in your region, and, and now you're in there telling that dude how to, you know, how, how to make the recipes. No, dude. He, he's, he, you hired him don't, for, don't be Jerry Jones. Yeah. Don't be Daniel Snyder. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy Haslam. Don't be that guy. Don't go ask the postman. If we should, if we should draft Johnny Manziel, don't do that. 
Don't do that. You're just creating more noise for your mind. So I want to get back to the analytics of Dynasty. I want to ask Jordan, what analytic does the average Dynasty owner ignore the most in your opinion? Um, I have a stat in the book that is, I think, the biggest divide in terms of um, quarterback production that I don't think anyone talks about. So that's one thing. Um, I I think that generally speaking, I think people overreact a little bit to um, prior. I think people overreact a little bit to prior uh, year production. And what I mean by that is you look at, you know, and I've, I've done a little of this work and I want to do some more of it, which is just seeing what the correlation is between prior season uh, finish in terms of ranking, you know, season long total point finish for, for for the position and what that person's positional ADP is the next year. And there's a pretty strong correlation there. It's about 50% of the variance in the next year's ADP is defined just by the amount of points, you know, where a person ranks in total points. But uh, so, you know, people aren't just straight drafting off of last year's stats, but a lot of that, it, it is a significant portion of what people are drafting off of. Um, I think, you know, places to look for value are places where that, that isn't necessarily true or places where those things, um, th- that number's off for some reason. So you look at a, a situation where a person's got a really high uh, points per target, for example, a guy like A.J. Brown. Right. You look at you look at a guy like that. Um, you look at a guy like um, Curtis Samuel, who has a lower one. Right. Um, and, and you know, those things are going to tend to naturally regress. Um, and, you know, we've seen that with bigger guys too, like DeAndre Hopkins, the year that he had, I think he had one hundred and fifty one targets. If memory serves him and Allen Robinson had the same amount of targets one year and both had like three point one uh, points per target. And that's just historically low. Their price fell. It was this big concern. Oh, they're not, you know, the players they were or whatnot. That's just bad variance. And they bounce back. And if you average the two seasons together, it's right at average, which is right where you expect it to be. And DeAndre Hopkins posted, I think it was the wide receiver one season following that, you know? So I think, I think understanding what's, what's predictive, what's just noise, you know, yards per carry is a terrible stat. Um, so that comes into play with a guy like Le'Veon Bell, who, yes, what three point, I think it was 3.2 or 3.4 yards per, uh, carry this year. I'll, he's a 20 touch a game guy. I'll take that bouncing back to a more league normal average and just doing those sorts of things, uh, just, just on the margins, realizing those sorts of, uh, inefficiencies and just realizing what that's doing to uh, people's startup costs and their trade costs and those sorts of things uh, and finding the outliers in those stats, I think is just really helpful. Well, let me tell you that I am a great case study to support this, that the average dynasty owner ignores this. This was the number one thing that I had to fix personally about three or four years ago as a dynasty owner. This was long before I was, you know, writing in the dynasty industry or doing this podcast, this was the thing that I had to fix. Jordan is absolutely right. It is very common to chase outliers, you know, and again, this is why these things help. You have to ask yourself, is this repeatable? Is this sustainable? Uh, Russell Wilson, he had a a great mid mid year run where he was on fire. And then he kind of regressed back to what he's been the last couple of seasons, still a darn good, you know, quarterback, but again, when you're looking at Austin Eckler is a great case this year, finished as the RB4 overall. Uh, 
is that sustainable? Is that repeatable? What does the analytics and, and things say? Jerry, anything on this? And I got one more question before we take this one home. Now let's uh let's just pick Jordan's brain some more. Yeah, that's why we bring him on. All right, Jordan. So so we ask you about the analytic that the average owners ignore the most. Is there an analytic that that matters more than than any other? So so basically, what's the analytic that that you think matters the most, and which one matters the least? So we we, we want to hit both ends of the spectrum. Like this is an analytic that I live by, and this is one that's there, but I'm you know I'm kind of meh on it. I think just as at a base level, I think the um, draft pedigree is something that we don't appreciate enough. And it's just such a massive predictor in terms of you just look at the rates and just by round. And I just I I look at players in buckets and I in my Patreon uh, as part of my Patreon program, one of my subscriptions has what I call my dynasty tiers. And I'm working through each position, but I'm grouping players by different different tiers so not straight rankings but uh looking at first round quarterbacks first round quarterbacks that have hit for a top 12 season first round quarterbacks that hit for a top six season looking at the difference in them um and then and then i did it for i just put out my tight end one as well and you just sort of look at at players and tiers and how their draft pedigree matters to what their range of production is and it you know, sometimes the out, it's it's not a great predictor of outliers. Like George Kittle is going to be a pretty massive outlier historically uh, in terms of his pedigree, but it gets a lot of things right. And I think it, it, it if you sort of just regress to draft pedigree, uh, you know, you'll you'll make better decisions, just generally speaking. Um, that, I think that's it. That's a that's a big one. Um, the other one I think that that is really big, um, you know, and I say with with my sister knows nothing about fantasy football she knows nothing about football in general um but i could just based off draft pedigree you know have her and she wouldn't know who the players were for from adam um she could do a pretty good job just drafting off just drafting off pedigree um just with a list of the pedigree guys um and using the base rates in my book she could she could do league average if not better just basing just drafting off those things um the other thing i think that that really matters is um well like i said that doesn't matter is the yards per carry um that that's a really fickle stat year over year but i think i think one that really matters for quarterback play and we're seeing this in the market right now is touchdown rate and you know the average i i looked at quarterbacks from 2000 to 2017 and i just looked at what the the average quarterback uh the average touchdown rate was, and I think it was for top 30 guys that had finished in the top 30. Um, just because I didn't want any of the outside stuff to really um, take any extreme hits on the numbers. But uh, it was like 4.62 was about the number. Um, and so, uh, f- you know, 4.6% of the t- of your attempt, you would throw a touchdown pass on. And that number is pretty, it, 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 it's not, it's pretty fluid year over year. It's not necessarily predictive. So if a player has a down year, uh, you can expect it to, to, that's not necessary. There's a lot that goes into that, right? Deflected passes, guys fall down. Like you just watch football and you see these crazy things happen. Um, and a lot of that goes into just a, a number being artificially depressed in a year. Um, and so I think a lot of it, if you just look at, if you look at quarterbacks and just the guys that had really high costs, in 2020 that's based on high touchdown rate those are clear avoid players so lamar jackson like he had almost nine percent of his attempts went for touchdowns this year that's three standard deviations outside the 
outside the average. Um, and you just can't expect that to happen again. That's just a super low likelihood event. Uh, and you expect that to come much more closer to five. And when that happens, like you see these guys that finish this QB one, on average, they lose just based off the regression and their touchdown rate. They lose 12 touchdowns the next year just based off that natural regression um, if you kept if you keep their attempts the same so keeping those things in mind is really important but also those are by low guys right guys that finish with you know something you know in the in the low fours or in the threes and touchdown rate those guys are those guys are due for a, a positive bounce back and so that's where I find a lot of my quarterback targets guys like golf this year uh, Baker um, although I'm not certain what Baker's cost is going to be but a guy like golf if he's going to fall to the teens and quarterbacks give me all of that for just a bounce back um, positive regression. Let me just loop this right back around into, you know, buy, buy when the news is bad, mm-hmm. sell when the news is good. That's it. That's all I heard right there is just, you know, use common sense. Honestly, like I, I am not an expert in analytics at all, but what I heard is, you know damn well Lamar Jackson's points are not sustainable or at least extremely unlikely to be sustainable. Don't expect it. You know, Baker Mayfield, same sort of thing. We have, God, we have beat that man to death on this podcast. If you think I'm not buying some Baker Mayfield because that value is so down this year, I got a sorry, sorry news update for you. I will be doing that. Well, it's all a question of cost too, right? Like the, we didn't like, and honestly, after I wrote my Superflex chapter in my book, like I'll never make the mistake of being in on Baker Mayfield at his cost last year again. Like whatever player that is going forward, you know, whether it's, I don't know who this year is going to be, but with his, with that profile and without the, you know, the, my metric for long-term success, like I'm never doing that thing again. And you just have to, because the, the downside is pretty extreme if they don't hit. And, you know, even when you look at these guys, like the odds of a quarterback being in, you know, even the top 10 guys. So even take the best of the best, the odds of them truly being long-term producers is like 50%. And when you think about that, like that's a low, like that is, that's you're flipping a coin. Right. And, and everyone thought Baker was was great, and everyone thought Josh Allen sucked, and that's not how it's played out, right? That is that is the opposite of what has happened so far in their career. And so even when we think we're right, it goes back to the same conversation. Uh, we're, we we don't know, and so when you make those big bets, um, you know it seems. And I I think people say you know just oh buy low sell high, yes, but but people don't necessarily act that way, and they think no, that they that's don't that at all. Yeah, and, and stats that actually truly reflect that a person's a buy low or a sell high, people are like, no, no, that's what makes them great. And I'm like, nope, nope, that's what makes their season last year great. And, you know, you just you look at the difference in, in what they do in their career versus the peak year. Um, they're just they're clear. Don't buy at that price candidates. And then you get the guys in the bottom end, you know, like a guy like Rivers. If Rivers lands someplace as a starter, his touchdown rate's going to go up. <laughs> it's going to go up. And, you know, he's probably going to be I mean, even if you just bumped his touchdown rate up a percent last year. That would have been that would have put him like right around quarterback ten in terms of in terms of scoring at the position. And just think about that that little that little difference, and that makes a huge difference in terms of the perception. And so, uh, you know, all of those knowing where to look on buy low and sell high, I think is a really key thing. 
Well, I'm going to leave you guys on two things, and then we're going to talk a little Super Bowl and, and get out of here. So um, I don't ever want to be accused of, of stealing someone else's thought, so I always give credit. So the, the Vegas guys, they, they say that in Vegas you have to be willing to look stupid to make money because the, 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 the point spread is expected value, that, that you know th this is all the information, this is home field, this is power rankings, this is everything. And you have, I, I, I've equated that to dynasty fantasy football. I think sometimes you have to be willing to look stupid to, to win in dynasty football. And I, I think that guys last year that went all in on Baker, they took a big swing. I think guys last year that went all in on Lamar Jackson, they also took a big swing. They connected. It doesn't make them right or wrong. It made them willing to to make mistakes. And, and, and I, I think we have to to be willing to do that. And, and then last thing is just be wary uh, of the guy who knows everything. Um, you, you gotta be, you gotta be fluid. So we're going to, we're going to like some guys coming out of the senior bowl and then we're going to get more information about interviews. And then we're going to get more information at the combine and then we're going to get more interviews and then we're going to get more mock drafts and then we're going to get the NFL draft. And we have to continually be willing to go, okay, I like this guy now. Hmm. I didn't like that coming out of the senior bowl. Oh, wow. His combine was great. Up. Oh, Yep, you know what? Not interviewing well, and then that same player winds up going in the second round. We we've got to be objective and, and be willing to move it. So, all right, um, Jordan, thank you so much for coming on. I'm gonna let you wrap it up here in a minute, but uh, you're the guest. You go first. Give us a Super Bowl winner and a, and a final score prediction. Well, I I gotta say I I have liked Andy Reid for a long time, and I'm glad that he is. Uh, he's getting another shot at winning a super bowl um you know they're a uh i just i i have been a fan of his i think he's i think he's been i think he's a good person um and gone through a lot in his life so i'm rooting for him i think kansas city gets it done um the over under four, 54 man that's uh that's gonna be pretty juicy uh, kansas city struggles to stop the run although did it well last week and that san francisco is pretty uh that san francisco defense is pretty pretty tenacious um yeah i, I mean i'll take i'll take kansas city uh, i think they i think they put you know i'll call it i'll call it 31 24 all right jerry what about you I am also a big fan of Andy Reid, and if there's one person that deserves to go to the White House and get a fast food buffet, it is that <laughs> man. Uh, I San Francisco's, you know, that defense is good. It's good. I just don't know if anybody can stop Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. This is their year. Get 38-24. I just, I think it's going to be a seven-point game. They put one in with, you know, four minutes left, blow the doors wide open. Well, I will start by saying that between Jerry, Jordan, and myself, we're telling you to bet the over because I, I agree. I am going to take Kansas City. And I think the one thing that, that has been overshadowed with as good as Kansas City's offense been is how good their defense has been the last eight games of the season. And then you add in the two games in the playoffs. Ever since Steve Spagnola, I think that's how I pronounce his name correctly, has taken over um, that defense – I mean, they've been great. Chris Jones is going to get an extra week to get healthy. And I think the gap between the Kansas City offense and the San Francisco defense is not as big as the gap between the Kansas City defense and the San Francisco offense. So because of that, I think the game's going to be a little bit closer. Uh, I agree with Jordan that it's going to be 31 points for the Chiefs, but I think it's going to be 27 
for the 49ers, and it's going to be a really good game. Uh, almost the complete opposite of what we saw last year. I believe it was 13-10 to 10 in that barn burner between the between the Rams and the Patriots. So th- there's our Super Bowl prediction. Uh, Jordan, we just want to give you just a few minutes. Please tell the people not only about the analytics of Dynasty, the analytics of Dynasty 2.0, but the UTH, your writing, everything you got going on, Patreon. Uh, hit them with the car wash. And with the car wash. Yeah, you can get the book, uh, Analytics of Dynasty 2020 edition. It's a lot of the stuff we talked about. I think it just helps you make better decisions. And this isn't a, it's not necessarily a player selection guide in terms of player recommendations. It's a strategy selection guide, right? And the stra- it gives you the strategy to, to select better players year over year. So this isn't just a 2020, um, you know, pick these players type of thing. It's a, it's a process. It's, it's a strategy to, to select better players generally, make better trades, make better rookie draft selections, um, just build better teams. And, you know, if you're into Superflex, I, I, you don't want to be trading or drafting with someone that has my book and you don't. I would just say that. And I, I've, already have subscribers to the book and my patreon subscribers drafting and super flex drafts and they're killing it and so um i think that all that stuff's really valuable um you, so you can find the, the book there it's 30 dollars. if you haven't gotten the 2019 edition it's on sale for 20 bucks and so if you're newer to dynasty or if you're you know trying to um you know trying to just basically go back to basics um uh, it has a lot it has stuff for everyone in that book but i would suggest if you're newer to dynasty to get the 2020 the 2019 edition go through all of that and the 2020 edition is a little bit more topical and a little bit more focused on some specific stuff but the 2019 edition gives you a great roadmap and it's still on point topically you can find the patreon stuff i'm probably going to record once we get off this i mean i'm a glutton for punishment i'm going to do a fifth podcast today um <laughs> so i'm going to do that when we get off here and uh yeah just um patreon.com slash analytics dynasty have a group me chat uh i've got podcasts i got a count it's probably approaching 15 or 20 so far in the less than a month that i've done this i just it's every night i'm like oh this is interesting hit record and just the the ability to do that it just gives you such a connection and you get early feedback on your thoughts from from your uh subscribers and i just i love the i love the platform so um, you can find that at analyticsdynasty.com slash, excuse me, patreon.com slash analyticsdynasty. And follow me on Twitter if you have questions about the book. I, my DMs are always open. Talk to me. Um, and, you know, I'm off these two weeks because I'm between jobs. So uh, I got plenty of time to chat Dynasty. So analyticsdynasty.com slash shop for the book, patreon.com slash analyticsdynasty for the Patreon program, and uh, McNamara Dynasty on Twitter. Well, th- thank you very much for, for coming on, and, and this is why Jordan's part of my circle. Um, my mind does not work completely analytically. Um, I love analytics. I love numbers, as you hear me rattling them off on this podcast all the time. But it's good to have people around you and people you know that you follow on Twitter that can help you in areas that, that you're not the best. I have no, I, you know, Jerry, you know, threw himself on that sword earlier and I'm going to throw myself on it now. Um, this is very helpful to me. So thank you very much for coming on. Um, again, check out the, the Patreon, check out the book, Jerry, anything for these fine people before we, uh, we take this one home. Uh, not a ton. Uh, you know, Jordan was one of the first guests we had on when I first, you know, got, got named to one of the, uh, one of the hosts for the show. So it's always a, special place in my heart to see the Syracuse Orangeman over there. <laughs> um, Jordan, you play poker at all? Just a question. 
Uh, I played a lot of poker. I played a lot of online poker before, you know, it became Black Friday. illegal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Black Friday. Um, I sat through a, uh, uh, a handful of uh, boring classes in law school uh, and played some poker through them. So um, it was disappointing. And I had a home game when I was in school and stuff. So uh, I don't play it as much now just with playing Dynasty and the, um, and the family stuff. But I would love to play more if I had if I had some more time. I'd probably do that. Why do you play? I, yeah, a lot. But in just the way you talk, uh, it just reminded me of, you know, someone that was an online poker kid like I was. <laughs> uh, so it was good to hear. But it, to sort of build off of that, you know, I I bought the first book and I'm going to buy the second book because it, for those of us that have ever played online poker and now we've sort of morphed into this, you know, Doyle Brunson wrote the super system. And if you want to get a good start in your dynasty life, analytics of dynasty is the way to go because listen it's good stuff my man put in some work and i enjoyed the hell out of it and the stuff i don't understand guess what i do at mcmara dynasty (laughs) i'm not a dope when it comes to that so you know i appreciate you coming on always good stuff i have more quotes than a little bit written down here i appreciate everything you do randy Let's wrap this bad boy up. Yeah, absolutely. I think you guys nailed it. I mean, analytics and dynasty fantasy football, analytics and poker. I mean, I can speak to analytics and business and in every business I've ever worked in. If you're not down with analytics right now in 2020, regardless of what you do for a living, regardless of what activities that you pursue outside of here, and that includes the gym. You know, you, you, you've got to be up to date on your measurables because analytics is the wave of the future. So um, on behalf of Jerry, Jordan and myself here at the Dynasty War Zone. We're just trying to make the world a better place for fantasy football. We'll see you back here next week as we recap the Senior Bowl. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Have a great week.